My name is Scott Nye, and this is Talking Radical Radio. Hello and welcome to Talking Radical Radio, where we bring you grassroots voices from across Canada. We give you the chance to hear many different people that are facing many different struggles talk about what they're doing, how they're doing it, and why they're doing it, in the belief that such listening is a crucial step in strengthening all of our efforts to change the world. On this week's show, I will be speaking with Letizia Waddington and Scott Neufeld. In part because of the frequency with which faith has been and still is brandished as a justification for oppression, but also in part because of prejudices inherited from the Enlightenment and from earlier versions of the left, it can be hard for those of us who ground our visions of justice and liberation in non-religious ways to appreciate the rich and potentially radical resource that faith traditions, including but far from limited to Christianity, can offer those who struggle for a better world from a place rooted in their faith. Streams of Justice is a small, highly active, multi-issue group based in Vancouver. It emerged from an informal Bible study group associated with a Baptist church in a poor neighborhood of the city. The church had committed to responding to the needs of people in that community, which led those in the study group to have new kinds of encounters with people. A combination of close listening to the experiences of people who were marginalized in one way or another, and close attention to scripture, led to a shift in emphasis by those in the Bible study from the charity model that is common to many faith contexts to a focus on the need to struggle for justice. In particular, they explored the long tradition of interpreting the Bible from the perspective of people who are suffering from injustice, an approach that came to be called liberation theology in some Christian traditions in the 20th century, but that has gone by other names as well and has a much longer history. Today, Streams of Justice is a mix both of people who continue to attend that same church and others who do not, and they explicitly acknowledge the group's Christian roots while welcoming those of all faiths and of none. Much of what they do involves acting in material solidarity with other groups, mostly non-religious, that are involved in a range of struggles, including indigenous land defense, anti-poverty, anti-gentrification, climate justice, migrant justice, and more. And they've also at times worked to engage with broader Christian communities around questions of justice. Waddington and Neufeld speak with me about the origins of the group, its roots in Christian faith, its emphatically multi-issue practice, and its work for radical social transformation. We spoke by Skype from Vancouver. My name is Scott Neufeld. I'm 27. I grew up in Langley, BC. I spent a bit of time out in Montreal doing an undergrad, and now I'm back in Vancouver doing a master's at Simon Fraser University. And I've been a part of Streams of Justice for, I guess, the past two years and a little bit. And my name is Letizia Waddington. I'm in my early 60s. I'm a grandmother. I'm originally from Switzerland, have lived in so-called Canada for over 30 years living in Vancouver as a social worker, mostly administrator sometime. I don't have an employment at the time. I'm working as a volunteer with a couple of organizations that work with the issues around gentrification, and I support an effort by First Nation to reoccupy their land in the northern part of the province. 
And then I can explain a little bit about what Streams of Justice is. So each week, we've been doing this for the last couple of months now, but we made up these laminated cards that have a kind of explanation of what our group is about. We like to read it at the beginning of our meetings just so that new people that show up have a sense of what we're on about and can feel like they can participate. There's no membership in our group. Anyways, I'll just go for it. We acknowledge that we are gathered on the unceded Coast Salish territory of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh peoples, on whose traditional lands we live and work. We honor their story and their struggle. Weekly, we meet together, sometimes as many, but more often as few. We hold forums, plan public actions, attend rallies, support other social organizing groups, watch films, and reflect on all of the above. We are informed and invigorated by the persistent call to justice in the Christian tradition and the biblical story. We equally welcome those for whom that tradition is seen as problematic or irrelevant. All are welcome. We share leadership, tasks, and roles. We have no membership. We aim for all to be heard, old and new. We are not attached to one issue, but seek to engage in the struggle for justice on many fronts. Indigenous sovereignty, poverty and homelessness, environment, immigration, economics, law and enforcement, etc. We recognize that these are not isolated features of our world and are but parts of a larger whole. We look to address that whole, the root causes of all injustice. We are not alone. We are but a small part of a growing global movement that seeks a better world for all. We gratefully and humbly accept our role in that movement. May we never give up on that vision of a better world. Let us usher it in. So that's just how we start each meeting. So it kind of reminds ourselves a little bit about who we are as Streams of Justice and what we're on about. At one point when your website is describing the group, it talks about its grounding in the radical prophetic traditions of Christianity and Judaism. For listeners who might not be familiar with that phrase, talk a little bit about what it means and about what its implications are for the group. The Bible as a book and as a tradition is often captured by a diversity of interpretation. There are interpretations that are well known, and then there is a tradition that's perhaps less well-known but really important to us, and that is reading the Bible from the perspective of people who are suffering from injustice. So um, mothers and fathers in learning about the Bible are what we'd call maybe a liberation theologian in the 50s, but there's ancestors to that reading of the text. There was St. Francis of Assisi and even earlier. That's the roots of reading the prophets who are heavily criticizing the powers that be in the history of Israel, and then Jesus' life, in our perspective, embodies these major trajectories from the prophets, like really trying to expose injustice, and also, at the same time, imagine and hope and work towards a better world. The biblical story, as I see it, traces the story of Israel or God's people. And what's really interesting is that there are these narratives of sort of liberation, of a vision of justice, of a good world where everybody who lives in it is thriving and flourishing. But that basically doesn't happen almost at any point in the whole biblical story, that there's never really a time where everything is going well according to plan. And so throughout this story, there's this persistent voice of critique of saying, this is the vision and we're far below that. 
And so one of the key things, as you mentioned, is this prophetic voice. All throughout, Christians refer to as the Old Testament. There's a number of books that are the prophets. So they're Isaiah, Ezekiel, Jeremiah, all these different people. And they're really critiquing Israel. And they're saying, you are not doing the kinds of things that, according to our law, that we're supposed to. We are perpetuating injustice. We're oppressing people. And our time of reckoning is coming. We can't continue in this injustice. And so... The way that I see it as a faith-based activist group, I think we definitely see ourselves in that lineage of people who are raising this critique or this voice of critique against a system, an empire, a king, against injustice, and in favor of a return to this vision of what actually is justice in this world. Tell me how the group initially came together. Stream of Justice started in 2005, but Prior to that time, there was a Bible study in a community house with people who experienced homelessness and poverty. And in the house, we had Bible studies that were always confronted with the realities of injustice with the people that were part of it. We were all part of a church that was quite interested in being a real presence, a positive presence in the neighborhood. And they opened their doors to a weekly meal for mostly homeless people and during the winter for spending the night. And knowing more people in those circumstances led the leadership of the church to want to open a drop-in. So this was really the roots of starting streams in an effort to go beyond a charity approach to the problems and looking at the roots of homelessness and poverty and trying to listen to people who had more experience than us in fighting these injustices. So we invited people to come and talk to us. And then the official, the official start of streams was uh, done with a special topic that we called reading the word, which is reading the Bible, and reading the world. So word and world and trying to bring them together, which led us to invite First Nation people because when you think of poverty and homelessness in BC especially, it's overrepresented by people who've been displaced by colonialism. So that was the beginning and we quickly thought that since we were such a small group, we would see how we can help other groups that were already involved, not generally faith-based groups. So we see our beginning both in those Bible studies, meeting people affected by injustice and wanting to be present in struggles that went beyond responding with charities, such as doing squats to highlight and expose the problem of homelessness and marches and visiting the mayor with displays to try and bring focus on the issues. What do you think made the crucial difference in Streams of Justice making the transition from a charity-based model of responding to need and suffering and harm to a justice-seeking model, particularly given that so many faith-based contexts remain very tightly tied to the charity model? The rhetoric from the powerful and from our political leadership, and even from a lot of the church's leadership, is that people are lacking because they are not strong enough or hardworking enough or addicted or mentally ill. But the reality is that when we meet people that are affected, 
they become much bigger than those labels. And the food bank is presented as this great thing, wonderful effort at feeding the poor. But when you meet somebody who needs the food bank, you realize that it is not meeting the need and never will meet the need. So I think what sparks it is meeting people who are underprivileged. Then you realize that charity will not be the solution. People don't like to be recipients of charity. That's what you find out when you talk with the recipients of charity. I think Hmm. that must have created the jump for us. So Letizia mentioned that streams of justice birthed out of some people associated with a particular church, Grandview Calvary Baptist Church. I'm a member of the church. Letizia is not. Um, So there's the mix of people who are more or less involved with the church who are a part of streams of justice. But about 25 years ago, there was a new pastor that came to the church and really started quite a transformation in that church community. And I think one of the really key things to that was this really strong ethic of what they call the radical welcome or the really strong commitment to relationship within this neighborhood, within this community, and to mutual transformation, to really trying to get to know our neighbors really well. And I think in many cases, living intentionally in community with the folks that are formerly experiencing homelessness or experiencing addiction or all these different things. And I think really from those relationships, it's pretty hard to maintain this, you know, patriarchal perspective that is associated with the charity model. When you really get to know somebody and you start actually listening to them and what their experience of oppression or injustice is like, it's pretty hard to continue to think that me as a person with untold amounts of privilege and no experience of injustice, that I somehow know what this person's problems are and that I personally can somehow address them by you know, giving them some money or giving them some candy pounds or some food or something. So I think that is really a key question is how do you shift from that charity model, you know, this very top-down charity-based model where Maybe we can give you stuff, we can have like a Christmas meal for the homeless or something, but that's pretty much it. But I think it's that commitment to really getting to know people that I think leads towards this analysis of these problems are located in systems and structures, and injustice is not just an interpersonal thing. It's a thing that's instantiated within society, and addressing these issues is not going to happen on a one-to-one basis. It's got to be broader than that. It's got to be these collective efforts for opposing structures of injustice and trying to change things at a systemic level. Give me more of a sense of the kinds of things that Streams of Justice does. The plan is to link reflection with actions. So a lot of our meetings, we study an issue. But in terms of what we do in the outside world, we've tended to think of ourselves as maybe perhaps being able to offer support, such as as a car for a homeless march or um, creating the space to make the banners and bringing food for the marches and assisting with homeless squats. Inviting people to come about once a month to a forum where we invite people who have either lived experience or knowledge of issues that range from, again, housing, resource extraction, colonialism, to speak. And then we invite the public, both from the church and outside of the church, to come and listen. We're happy when we have 50 people, and occasionally we've had over 100. So this is a monthly event. 
Then we have put our heads together and we've made puppets to join the anti-Olympic march, for example. Uh, we've made tableaus where we go downtown outside of a SkyTrain station and we have this living statue with slogans that reveal the situation around the poverty that exists in the city. We try to make it visible through creative tableaus. Every weekday is between one and three events that minimum one and sometimes more people from Streaming of Justice join in. The last one was the climate rally on the first day of the COP in Paris, where we created special banners because we wanted to be a part of the call for climate justice. But on any week, there is, um, for example, the downtown east side is suffering from tremendous displacement pressures, and we often have to go to city council to talk about this or that building being demolished that used to house people on low income that's going to become a very expensive condo. So there's been years of going to city council and supporting people who are directly affected and speaking up on their behalf when they ask us to. We've made trips to the Unistotten land where a group of people is working hard at being able to live again on traditional territories. We do fundraising events for that effort. One of the earlier things that Streams of Justice did quite a bit of work on was there was and continues to be a housing crisis in Vancouver that really drives really high levels of homelessness. And so one of the things that we were involved in organizing in the earlier days was a couple of squats, so the homeless camps. So obviously working with friends of ours who are actually experiencing homelessness and organizing folks together and facilitating kind of the occupation of whether it was and so, as Letizia mentioned, one of the things that I know that we always try and be quite conscious of is, as a group that has, throughout its history, been predominantly quite privileged people, folks that are mostly white, there's not too many of us that are experiencing a whole ton of injustice ourselves. And so, I think also in line with this theological inspiration of, like Letizia mentioned, liberation theology, this idea of standing with and supporting those who are experiencing oppression. And so I think Streams of Justice has really seen itself as a group that tries to support other groups. So Letizia mentioned offering our space at this church that I mentioned. The other thing I guess that's unique about Streams of Justice is that because we are a faith-based group, and we do have these connections to networks within different churches in Vancouver. And as you noted, many churches do not really have much of a justice analysis. And so one of our goals from the beginning has been to engage with other churches and with that Christian community around issues of justice. And so we try and do that through education, as Lucia mentioned, different forums that we try and organize Last year, we had a little bit more of a focus on that for a time. So we organized five different evenings where the focus was really explicitly on connecting faith and justice together. And so we had these kind of roundtable discussions that we facilitated and had different scriptural texts that we introduced and we worked through them in a particular kind of analysis and connected them to different issues of injustice within our cities, whether that be indigenous sovereignty or migrant justice or these kinds of things. So really trying to engage with other Christian groups or churches and bring more of that justice analysis outside of our own little group. So I think that's sort of a unique role for a group like us. 
I think that's one thing that people with a lot of privilege certainly must be doing, trying to break down that privilege or educate others who have maybe a similar degree of privilege about injustice, about issues of oppression and our complicity in those things. Especially given that one of our focuses is trying to engage with other churches, other Christians, I think it can be quite frustrating to feel like the pace of that work is quite slow or that people just don't get it or that they revert back to this charity model of feeling like the best way to help is always just on a really personal level rather than a systemic level. Then also, we've had this experience in the last year where people that we sort of maybe thought might be the kind of people who would want to be involved with streams of justice, whether it's friends from our church or from other places, and they somehow have this idea that we're too radical or we're scary or too critical or something like that, mm-hmm. which I think is sort of funny to us. <laughs> we're just a bunch of people hanging out in the church basement every couple of weeks. <laughs> It's just hard, and I think it takes a long time sometimes for people to change their thinking or to change their analysis of the way the world works, why some people have less than others, why some people are homeless and some are not. So from what I've observed in a lot of social justice contexts that are not themselves faith-based, there's often a lot of misunderstanding, sometimes even a lot of hostility towards religion. Given that, what sorts of experiences has your group had of working with other social justice activists? So for one, I think in terms of who do we often partner with, it's more often organizing groups that are not coming from a faith background. And in terms of what's that relationship like, I hope, I feel like maybe we've built up some credibility over the years of having an analysis or a politics that other groups that are not necessarily faith-based also agree with. And I think maybe they're not too keen on the whole faith stuff, but that doesn't seem to present too much of a barrier. Maybe it also just doesn't come up too much in terms of when we're actually working together. If we're both focused on this particular issue or something, it's not really about what's our motivation for doing this or what's underneath this analysis. It's just about the issue on the surface a bit more. So maybe that facilitates some of those partnerships. But I think, yeah, I don't know. I think maybe actions speak louder than words. And so our actions over the years and our commitment to really working alongside and supporting different groups, I think, has helped us build some good relationships with other groups and other people and I think developed a bit of mutual respect there. I'm not part of a church at this time I was in the past. So notwithstanding some outstanding Christian public speakers and activists and the whole history of justice in the Judeo-Christian tradition, notwithstanding all those wonderful things and many friends were involved, the general relationship with the church for me is problematic. So my relationship with groups and individuals who are involved with fighting for justice is more life-giving, I would say. So I come as somebody who wants to learn and benefit from thirst for justice that I find greater outside of the church. Our name is Streams of Justice, and it's a Bible phrase, but I'm guessing that nobody knows that it is. So I would assume that many people don't know that we are faith-based. We do meet in a church, but we don't pray before or after our meetings ever in an effort to be inclusive. The other thing I was just thinking of, and this is a relatively recent development, 
and not something that we've really explored a lot. But I have heard from some different organizers in Vancouver, especially when we're having more broader conversations across different groups, whether it's Rising Tide or Knowing This Illegal or some of these different groups that we often partner with. When we're talking about building movements for justice that are large and that are really trying to include a lot of different people, I think there is some realization that faith-based justice groups have a role and that whereas there are certainly histories and ongoing relations within churches and different religious organizations that are harmful, that are perpetuating injustice, that are oppressing people, that just perpetuated atrocities throughout history, At the same time, those organizations are frameworks within which I think there's a recognition that there's a potential for an analysis of justice and a commitment to working alongside folks for more justice in society. And so I think there's sometimes this realization by groups that are not faith-based that it would be good to engage the churches and those people if we could. And I think that's an interesting role that Streams of Justice maybe play is that we're sort of in between those two worlds a little bit. What's coming up for Streams of Justice over the next while? The one thing that we have in the pipes is we're planning a series of forums where the idea is to try and really emphasize this idea of a broad view of justice that cuts across a number of different issues using the theme of land to help make those connections. So we're going to have a series of different nights where we're trying to think of creative ways of engaging a wide audience on these different issues. We're framing it around what's under the land, thinking about resource extraction, how we use our earth, and then also what's on the land, thinking about indigenous rights, land claims, also issues like immigration, refugees, So using this theme of land to draw these broad connections of justice. Another thing we're planning on, we just decided, a request was made to us to maybe create an event that would fundraise for a newspaper. It used to be called the Downtown East. It's now called the Volcano. And it has zero money in its bank account and it wants (laughs) to publish four times a year. It's the social justice newspaper. Yeah, and it's a free paper. So Streams is going to take on organizing a fundraising night for that. We do several fundraisers a year for other groups, and we hope to continue, of course, all our relationship with a number of groups. In fact, counted them all, I probably would come to about a dozen groups that we are in contact with and want to continue our relationship with. You have been listening to my interview with Letizia Waddington and Scott Newfeld about the Vancouver-based group Streams of Justice. To learn more about their work, go to streamsofjustice.wordpress.com. That's streamsofjustice.wordpress.com. To find out more about Talking Radical Radio, the guests, the theme music, and the ways that you can listen, or to suggest topics for future shows, go to talkingradical.ca and click on the link for the radio show. On the site, you can sign up for email updates or follow us on Facebook or Twitter. I'm your host, Scott Nye, a writer and media producer based in Hamilton, Ontario, and the author of two books of Canadian history told through the stories of activists, Gender and Sexuality, and Resisting the State, both from Fernwood Publishing. Thank you very much for listening, and I hope you tune in again next week.